Father, we bless your name once again, Lord. It is written that the Lord sent his word and his word healed them. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing we have. To receive the gospel of our salvation, the living words that revives us, that heals us, that teaches us, indicate to us the way we should go. Oh, Lord, we bless your name, Lord, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to inspire us to speak, to lead us in every way. Because he is the spirit of truth and not the spirit of error. Therefore, Lord, we cry out to you for grace and mercy as we walk through the scriptures. Lord, that you speak to our hearts. We humbly, Lord, fall at your feet. We believe in the entirety of your word that it is true. Help us, Lord, we pray. For your name's sake and to your glory and in Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, from victory unto victory part two. And there is a subtitle, We Do Not Wrestle Against the Flesh and Blood. So, from victory unto victory part two, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. By way of introduction, why don't we read what we read last time? That is Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 9. Please. <clears throat> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over the Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate 
to do in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Last time we say that it takes courage. From this reading we understand that it takes courage to obey God. We should not take it for granted or else it will be a trap. It takes courage. Moses was a great, unique strategist, high-ranked general, military leader, outstanding planner, but repeatedly the Lord encourages him, be strong, be very courageous. And the people of God encourage him as well. We need courage, we need to be strong. Now the context here is the Lord has the plan because he sees the end from the beginning. He's telling him, I have given you the land which I have given. I promised to your father I have given, but they still need to possess. They still need to work. And we said last time that Jesus Christ is our Joshua in the new covenant. You see, he already won the battle at the cross, but then he's exhorting us to run with endurance, exhorting us daily to fight the good fight of faith, but the victory has been won already on the cross. Today we're going to walk through the book of Joshua, a bit more readings, because some of the narrative are self-explanatory. <clears throat> so we continue our walk through the book of Joshua and the conquest of the promised land. In the first part of this teaching, we shared how God promised the inheritance to Abraham and made a covenant with him. We also looked at Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, quotes, and if you are in if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and has according to the promise. And we say that Abraham is a key character in the Bible. Because understanding that particular character bring more relevance to things written in the Old Testament. And we can then begin to make proper, credible, and objective applications. We don't just pass from one thing to another, no. The Lord had promised Abraham that in him, 
all the nations will be blessed. We will get to that. Because one of the, the definition of the word nation is not just ethnos. Now, it also troop of animals. So in Abraham, <laughs> Gentiles, troop of animals will be blessed. There is here a contrast between carnality, animals, and spirituality. We were just carnal people without God, without his spirit. In Abraham, carnal people will be blessed. We'll get to that in a moment, God willing. So, what is the promise? What was the promise made to Abraham? And why is it so relevant? There is an argument going on, a lot of dispute about who is the heir, who is the son of promise. We discussed that last time. But in Genesis chapter 21, verse 9 to 13, don't turn to it, I'm just quoting a little bit. Not quoting. Isaac and Ishmael are Abraham's seeds, and there's no element. That's not about Ishmael, that's Isaac. Hmm. Galatians chapter 4 clarifies we are children of the free woman. Old Testament. But here, it is a spiritual reality where Sarah is. Can you see how Abraham is a key character? in the whole landscape here. So from those his own people and through that physical people, something greater will come. Obeyed my voice. Wow. If you think, I think 16 or 4, 4, 16, 4, I think. 4, 16 or 16, 4 is the most likely 4, 4, 16. But it's in the Bible anyway. Until you get there, then we can enter the mind of Abraham. The Bible says he believed that God is able even to raise the dead. For he calls to existence things that do not exist. Aha, now we understand. That man knew God and that's what we need. Job knew God. You see, that's what kept those people going. Those people knew God. Do you remember the story of David who entered the temple and ate the bread? Can you do that? Those people knew God. Jesus Christ says, the Sabbath was made for people, for humans, and not the other way around. But the Pharisees never understand that. We have to know God. It's not mechanics. It's not dogmatism. Legalism. Now, things are spiritual. 
God wants to bring us to that dimension that we will grow. Oh, there are so many things I keep pushing back. Okay. I keep on saying we we'll get to that, we we'll get to that, but time is going. The children of Israel, after their circumcision, before they actually start the conquest with the first city, Jericho, they had to camp to stay at Gigo for the Lord to prepare them. Gilgal means a will, a rolling thing, a moving thing. They were ready to march, to go. Circumcise. In the New Testament, the Bible speaks of the circumcision of hearts. Before we can even think serving God, there is a starting point being circumcised of heart. It's not just my habit. I've been coming to the church. Okay, I know I have a few talent. I can, I can. No. We are saved. We are his God workmanship, saved by grace, through faith, for the work which he has prepared in advance that we may walk in them. You see, the work of the Lord is to be done by his children. Why? Because it's done in his spirit, not in the wrong spirit. It will destroy the work. So they are circumcised. They stay there. Take time to be taught. Certainly Joshua is revealing to them the whole plan and the strategy and God's purpose for the marching. And they go. And they obey strictly the Lord. First step, Jericho. Strict observance, observation of the Lord's guidance. Victory is won. I have already said that. Now, Joshua was engaged in a physical battle to conquer the promised land, but we are engaged in a battle to lay hold of eternal life and keep faith in God to the end. Remember what Paul said? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, but more importantly, I have kept the faith. Now we can look to the reward. Now I know that the crown is laid out for me. Not only for me, but also for all those who are waiting. Love the Lord God. Fighting the good fight of faith, running the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus who is both the oath and the fish of our faith, but keeping the faith. Paul says there is always a risk of beating the air. Fighting the wrong fight, beating the air. And fruitful fight. I call that activism, not ministry. Activism, you can do just things without believing in them. You just do things to be seen as doing something. That's not ministry. The work of the Lord God 
is to be done by his children. Because he gives them his Holy Spirit and they can serve him in the right spirit. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus Christ, our Joshua said, I will build my church and the gate of the Hades shall not prevail against it. Oh, so, it's not holiday. So Jesus Christ is announcing even before the birth of the church that we'll be at war. And we are at war. Those who are really fighting can see war is intensifying everywhere. Those who are not, no longer fighting don't see it. In fact, they are annoyed. What are people talking about? Which fight? It's all okay. Those who are discerning can see that darkness is becoming thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and we are being restrained, 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 restrained. This is high time. High time. And we are called to awake. For salvation is nearer us than when we first believed. So, as Abraham's physical seed was and is constantly at war, so is his spiritual seed. Therefore, we can learn from Joshua's conquest. The Lord told Joshua to meditate in the book of the law day and night, to observe and to do according to all that was written in it. This was very important because the book of the law contained a detailed plan of what was waiting ahead. So it was very, very important that Joshua understands everything was written in the book of law. Moses had told him he knew that because he's been Moses' assistant. But the Lord is revealing to him what was Moses' secret. I know, Joshua, you were a very brave man. I know all that. But the book, do not depart either from the left or the right. Walk in them. That's the only way you will be successful and prosperous. Can you see a problem here? I'm making a little digression here. How many times have you heard people praying, Lord, you say I will never leave you nor forsake you? Well, that's a heavy thing. Heavy thing. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But walk in my path with me, in my word, and you will know my deliverance and my leading. So, moving on. What was Joshua to observe and meditate on day and night? We know already is the book of law. But what specifically? Turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, and we read from verse 1. Deuteronomy 7, from verse 1. <clears throat> When the Lord your God brings you into the land 
which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittite, the Gigashite, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Perizzites, and the Hevite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, seven nations greater and mightier than you, verse 2, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. Verse 4. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their covered images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did, did not set his love on you, nor chose you because you were more in numbers than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Verse 8, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep his oath, which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, verse 11, you shall keep the commandment, the statute, the statutes, and the judgment which I command you today to observe them. That was Joshua. That was the job description. That was Joshua had to observe day and night, meditate upon. That is the mission. In that passage, enemies are clearly identified. They were to be conquered and utterly destroyed. No covenants had to be made with them. No making marriages with them. But destroying the idolatrous, idolatrous worshipping system. Utterly. That was the will of God. Why was this important? It was important because any potential mixture or syncretism 
would turn the Israelites away from following the Lord to serve other gods. It, it, it's revealed there. That's the reason. It wasn't for fun. It's because any mixture will turn Israel against God and toward idolatry. And we spoiled the whole salvation plan. The Lord God had a higher purpose in this matter. Back to Joshua. <clears throat> Book of Joshua, please. In Joshua chapter 1, from verse 10, you see, Joshua plans and organizes the campaign. God's vision, plan, and will are very clear to Joshua. He now needs to move forward faithfully. Brothers and sisters, it's very important to plan, to be organized in life, even in spiritual battle. It's very important. Digression. Do you know in the book of Acts, it says that Peter no, and John, they were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. That is called organization. Timing is important because God is not a God of confusion or disorder, disorder. No. There is time to sleep, there's time to pray, there's time to go to church, there's time to eat, there's time to go to work. Otherwise, we, we get lost. Joshua carefully takes time to plan, to ask people to make provision. He explained them what it is all about. They are prepared to go. Planning, organization is very important as individual and as church. Randomness, guessing work is not necessarily spiritual. It does not mean that God was not leading Joshua. Not at all. The vision was there. He was observing. He interceded for the people. But he planned and organized the work with the people unto victory. In chapters 3 and 4, we have the ark of the covenant of the Lord. I've noticed that in the book of Joshua, whenever he speaks of the ark, is a complete sentence. The ark of the covenant of the Lord. It's not any covenant. It's the Lord's ark of covenant. The ark of the covenant of the Lord crossed over before the people in the Jordan. Again, that was an instruction from the Lord. Those carrying the, the ark of the covenant should walk before the people. 2,000 cubits. That's about 1,000 kilometer. No, one kilometer. Yeah, because one cubit is half of a meter. Yeah. Yeah, 1,000. One kilometer, that's what it is, yeah. Okay, good. 1,000 meters, yeah. So, 
What was the reason for that? The Bible says, because you haven't been there before. God knows the way. There was a good distance between the symbol, the word of God and the people following to make sure that they knew exactly where they were going, not confusion. Distinct from thought of man, the word of God, the lamp and the light showing the way for people to follow. There was a good distance there. Where there are two kinds of familiarity with the word of God. One is positive, one is negative. The positive one means growing in the Bible, you know where to find your, your books in the Bible, you were in the, etc. The negative one is to say, I've heard that before. I have nothing to learn. I know that. I know better than that. Negative familiarity. I've heard that before. The manna was given on a daily basis. Let be listening. Humble before the Lord. And to hear what the Lord is and wants to speak to his people in these days. So, Israel crossed, crossed over the Jordan on dry ground just as the Lord did with Moses. Big sign for Joshua's authority and confirmation before the people. They could see that the Lord is with this man. Because they said it. May the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. And God is faithful. And he did that and they could go. Still, the word of God was showing the way before them. In chapter 5, we have the circumcision, often referred to as second generation circumcision, or the circumcision of the second generation. Dear brethren, these were not eight days old. No, these are grown up people, these are soldiers, militaries. Men of valor, on that day was a moment of truth. <laughs> no spiritual knife, real one, real stone. <laughs> moment of truth, hard, they had to. <laughs> oh Lord, help us. <laughs> and then after that, they had to stay until they were healed. And then camp at Gilgal before start the starting the campaign. A word for young people. There's none here. Oh, this one here. It's very important to receive the guidance Oh, there's another one there. And it's called Joshua too. It's very important to let God instruct and form us. And to be obedient to God. This 
generation here is the generation of those who were born in the wilderness. Special generation. Well, many young people, you know, are lost these days with Christianity because sometimes it's just them being disobedient, but sometimes they are just lost because they don't understand. Sometimes they get a very confusing message. They don't understand exactly. Sometimes it seems irrelevant to the world. Itself. They don't understand sometimes. And we say, young people, you need to come to Christ. You're not doing well. Well, we are responsible in the first place to start with. This is a word of encouragement to young people. If you identify yourself in what I've just said, and you feel like, oh, I'm lost. It, it's, there is a disconnection. It, it seems to be relevant to my life. What I see and what I see in the church, here is a word of encouragement for you. You are that conscious, conscientious generation that we turn things upside down. Why am I saying that? Because there is a difference between this generation of Joshua here and the previous generation in the wilderness. They were so fearful. They were idolaters. They went to spy. They came back. Although we were like grasshoppers in their side, etc., exaggerating things. But this generation here is a special generation. Joshua will circumcise them will give the plan and they will stand up and go. Guess what? In chapter 9, something happened there with the Gibeonites. Yes. Bear with me with that. I'm used to say Gabonites. Something will happen where the Gibeonites will craftily deceive the leaders, Israel, but the congregation, these young people here, will discern and will be unhappy and will not understand why Joshua, who had explained the plan to them, will let these people live in their midst. That's the generation of belief I'm talking about here. Those are the young people I'm talking about here who are able to discern, not just to complain, but to go and read the Bible for themselves, trust God, and say we're going to go for God. That generation. The first generation failed, the second one succeeded. That's you, young people. Don't be discouraged. Amen. In chapter 6, Jericho is conquered. You know the story. In chapter 7, Israel is defeated by Ai because of sin. Achan's sin. Having stolen accursed things, prohibited things, and they suffer defeat. And everybody suffers defeat. You see, dear brethren, one person's sin can affect all of us, in some ways, can slow down the progress of the church. Hidden sin. But the Lord God sees that. Do we want to grow to maturity? Do we want to see God blessing amongst us? 
Do we want to see God raising more ministries among us? Do we want to see God fulfilling his purpose among us? Then we need to sanctify ourselves for God. That was the first instruction from Joshua to the people. Sanctify yourself. Then we can follow the ark and go for the battle. Sin is the problem. Well, sinful activities, though they may be hidden, will always slow down spiritual progress of the body and give undue advantage to the enemy. Undue advantage to the enemy. Because of sin, then there will be what? Self-pity, gossip, jealousy, hate, and, and everybody's being slowed down. And the church cannot move forward. Very, very important that we sanctify ourselves. Doesn't the Bible say sanctify Christ in your heart? Very, very important. Love one another. Let the Lord remove any root of bitterness. God can do that with humans, and God knows that. But He's there to help us. Unless we shut Him outside. And we say, I don't want to be healed by you. I don't want to be helped by you. I just want trouble. <clears throat> chapter 9. We've just read in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Do you remember the plan and the instruction from God? Now chapter 9. Israel makes a covenant with the Gibeonites who were part of the Hivites. The plan was very clear. And the Hivites were amongst those people. With the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Canaanite, the Jebusite, they were amongst those people. Covenants, and they are now allowed to stay within the people. Now, at first, it's a small thing. The, the Gibeonites, struggle with this word. We, at some point, I would just say Gabonite. They are staying amongst the Israelites at first. But dear brethren, by the end of the story, it is the Israelite dwelling amongst them. Can you see that? Move to Joshua. Let's read from Joshua chapter 9, please. Joshua chapter 9. <clears throat> well, by this time here, Israel has won so many battles. And they are moving towards other cities in Canaan. And this Gibeonite here, they are amongst the next cities to be attacked. Verse chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, 
in the hills and in the lowlands and in all the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites about it, heard about it, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But, verse 3, when the inhabitant of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they walked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wine skins, stones, and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp at Gilgal, and say to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel say to the Hivites, perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? Verse 8. But they said to Joshua, we are your servant. And Joshua said to them, who are you? And where do you come from? So they said to him, from a very far country, your servant have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorite who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and all king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours, of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wine skins which we filled with new, were new, and see, they are torn. And these, our garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Verse 14, listen carefully. Then the men of Israel took some of the provision, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Tragedy. Verse 18. But the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sown to them by the, Lord of God, by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation complained against the rulers. 
That's what I meant. Young people do not just follow blind, blind people leading blind people. Seek the Lord personally. Know the Lord. Read the Bible. Be filled with his, own, his Holy Spirit that you may be able to discern. The congregation had more discernment than the rulers, in this case here. And they complained. I call that immediate consequence of confusion sown by the Gibeonites. First consequence, instability, uncertainty, and confusion. That's the first consequence. And then something will happen in between. Instability, uncertainty, unhappiness, and more importantly, destruction. The plan is no longer going, the plan is no longer going according to plan. Because you have all those kings who are prepared, they are already very frightened and afraid. The Joshua and company, they are going for the next target and they have to deal with this situation here. And these people here, are part of the people they're supposed to fight. And three days later, later, they discover that these people did not come from far. They are our neighbors. Too late. Why do you think it was too late? Because of the covenant. You see, the enemy did not waste time. They did not waste time. No. When they came, they say, make a covenant with us because they know that Israel takes so seriously the covenant because of God. Once they've done that, it's closed, it's finished. They can start the dirty job now. It's finished. When the people are complaining, the rulers are telling the congregation, but we've promised to protect them, we've made the covenant. They knew that. Once Israel has made the covenant, it's with the Lord. Guess what? Saul, another carnal person, will try to do justice to the Israelites. In the future, Saul will try to exterminate, to kill these people here. And God won't be happy. And Saul will be judged. Seven people of his descendants will be delivered to the Gabonite and they will kill them. Because of the covenant. The Lord is telling David, well, there is a covenant. I was there. There is a covenant. Saul cannot just do that. And then moving further, we discover that actually the remaining nations were allowed by God in order to teach younger generation how to fight. Because they did not know how to fight. The Lord had constantly to teach them how to be ready because the enemy will always be there. There's no time for peace. Be ready. So the little nations there fight with them. That was the will of God.
In Ephesians chapter 4, do not turn to it. I'm going quickly. We are warned against winds of doctrines, trickery of men, and cunning craftiness of deceitful... Oh, English is so rich. What kind of sentence is this? Let me read that again. Trickly, trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Wow. That's very serious. Wow. We don't have that in French. But all this, Paul is warning the believers against this modern and spiritual Gibeonites that are after the church. Introducing themselves in the church by stealth to spy out our liberty. Teaching all sorts of things to distract the people of God from the goal. In the days of Paul, you had the Judaizers teaching that no one can be saved until, unless they are circumcised. The people of God were troubled. Troubled. The Gibeonites were part of the Evite, the people, we've said that already. So they were really introducing themselves in Israel like snakes, really. Snakes. How could you believe in such covenant which is based on lie and deception? Do you know what? In order to please people, the rulers of Israel, we say, Okay, okay, apologies. It was a mistake for a while. Okay, we're going to punish them. We're going to make them woodcutters, water carriers for the altar of the Lord, even worse. These are idolatrous people. To walk to the altar of the Lord, that was not the will of God. And it seems to please people. It's good, yeah, the right balance, that's fine, we can do that, to accommodate, okay, let's move on, that's okay. Did you know that? This very people here, and many of the kings of Israel, fell in this trap always. Whenever the Lord asked them to do something, they will come up with, uh, with something, and say, oh, let's, let's make them labor workers for us. We're not going to kill them, but they're going to work for us. Well, the church quite often finds itself in that position. Oh, there's not enough workers. We need people to help. We need people to help. Well, that one is a very, very good guitarist. You know, he used to play for Beatles. You know, he can help with that. He's got a good, okay, yeah, just help because we need people to do that. No, 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 no. The work of God has to be done in the spirit and by the spirit of God. By people redeemed by God. Then we trust God. If there's no workers, if there's no preachers, we will gather together, we will open the Bible, and we will read. If there is no instrument, we will clap our hands. If there's no microphone, they didn't have one in Acts. Do you understand where I'm coming from and where I'm going? Now make an inference broadly now. Don't look at this church only. Now make an inference in the body of Christ and see how disastrous things are. Marketing techniques, marketing gurus, pastors going to train themselves how to bring people in the church, marketing. Someone say, you cannot have people to change their belief, but you can cause them to doubt it. 
In 2 Corinthians, we are commanded not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We've mentioned the immediate consequences. <clears throat> Overreaching consequences, more importantly. Overreaching consequences. In chapter 13, Joshua is old, advanced in age. Yet there is still work to do. There are still cities to conquer. Immediately, those who are supposed to continue with the work, what happened? Immediately, they could not drive out all the enemies. Immediate consequence. So they start living with enemies of God. Judges chapter 1, verse 27, do not turn to it. The Bible says, the Canaanite, these enemies were determined to stay in the land. Determined to cause confusion and to humiliate God and to hurt Israel. Now, as I said before, it's no longer just a few Gibeonites dwelling amongst Israel, but it will be now Israel dwelling amongst the very people they were supposed to conquer and destroy. They will now make marriages with them and serve their God. Israel will forget the Lord God and serve the Baal and Asherah. There we are. Because of the covenant between Israel and Gibeon, seven descendants of Saul will be killed in order to repay Saul's hostility. May the Lord just speak to your heart about this particular thing here. They come few, they grow in number, and they start asking more, more. And the people of God are now being sacrificed. Understand that. The Gibeonites dwell among Israel and probably, probably, because their position geographically were between the north and the south, somewhere in the between there, and they might well be instrumental in facilitating the split of the kingdom and the Roboam. God's judgment was now upon Israel. Nowadays, the Gibeonite can be likened to religious syncretism, ecumenism, which work against biblical Christianity. Final reading for today. Thanks for your patience. Judges chapter 3. <clears throat> That's the book after Joshua, Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, listen carefully, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan, this was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war. 
at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal Hermon, to the entrance of Hamath. Verse 4. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandment of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Tragedy. Verse 5. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their son and they served their God. Do you think that is relevant to us today? Do you think the warning is relevant to the church today? For us, the Gibeonites are also anything that wage war against our soul. Modern Gibeonites are mostly spiritual, and we need to fight them spiritually because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are commanded to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, to take up the whole armor of God. The Bible writes, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time, we wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the arm of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, nor in reverie and drunkenness, nor in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Jesus Christ is more than Joshua, onward Christian soldier. Chrissy, please can you lead us in that song before we close in prayer. Please stand up and sing onward Christian soldier.